Welcome to the Topeka First Assembly podcast. We hope this message serves as an encouragement to you. If you would like to support us financially, you can do so online at www.topekafirst.com giving. Enjoy the podcast. Well, good to see you. I'm glad that you made it out. I hope that you are thankful. Uh, and, uh, you know, most of us know what it is to be thankful, but some of us choose to be thankful, Right. Uh, and so there, there is a difference, uh, and you know it, it's a choice, uh, and it's something that we can grow in, especially when we start to notice how much God really has done for us. Uh, because he has done some good things for us, you may look at yourself and say, I don't know, God, I don't know if you've done that much for me, but, but really, when you look at uh, the situation, uh, it could be much different than it is, and maybe you grew up in a situation uh, where, where it was difficult in your life, and, but because of different things in your life, God has been working, and your situation is better than where it was before. And for those things, we can thank God. Uh, uh, you know, it's, it's uh, uh, Irma Bombeck, she, she uh, is, was quite the lady, and she uh, said this after having uh, become a breast, breast cancer survivor. She said, every time that I forget to be grateful, I hear the voice of an eight-year-old named Christina who had a life-threatening illness in her nervous system. When Christina was asked uh, what she wanted for her birthday, she thought long and hard, and finally uh, she said this, I don't know, but I have two sticker books and a doll. I have everything I need. Uh, and I think that, you know, we, and, and that's right, and that, that's really maybe we need to have a little bit better attitude like that child did, facing all that she was facing. You know, the Cambridge Dictionary says this. It says, we use the word grateful to talk about how we feel when someone is kind to us or if they do us a favor. And uh, then we usually use the word thankful when we are relieved that something unpleasant or dangerous didn't happen. Uh, and so it just kind of gives us perspective on being grateful, being thankful. And uh, in Budapest, Hungary, uh, there was a man who he goes to his rabbi and he complains and he says, life is unbearable. Uh, it's just difficult. And there are nine of us who are living in one room. What can I do? And so the rabbi tells him, look, what I think you need to do is to go get a goat, and I want you to take that goat, and I want you to bring it into your house, and then you can come back to me a week later. And he's like, okay. And so he said, are you, are you sure about this, Rabbi? And so, so he does it. He, he gets the goat. He brings it inside of the house, and, and, and he goes back to the rabbi a week later, and he said, this goat is filthy it stinks and he said okay okay it's it's everything's working and he says now what i want you to do is go back home take that goat out of your house and then come back to me in a week later and so he said okay i, I better read what he says here and, and so he goes home he he lets the goat out and he comes back in a week, and, and then his response to the uh, rabbi uh, late, a week later was this, life is beautiful. <laughs> we enjoy every minute of it now that there's no goat and only nine of us in the room. 
you know, kind of kind of change of perspective, right? And sometimes we need that kind of change of perspective because we may think that life stinks, right? But sometimes in our, our situation in life can give us a better perspective. And sometimes that's why it's important for us to stay engaged with one another. Uh, we, need to, we need it sometimes and we uh, surely need to learn to become grateful while giving thanks to God. Because giving thanks, it really is a choice. Uh, the onus is kind of on us, but sometimes we need to be reminded that life could be more difficult than it is. And I'm sure that there are times when we walk through situations in our life and we wonder, God, how in the world could it be more difficult than this? But the Apostle Paul, he writes to one of the churches he started with some of his fellow preachers, Timothy and Silas. And we're going to be over in 1 Thessalonians if you want to turn your Bible over to 1 Thessalonians there. And so he goes there, he plants a church with Timothy and Silas, and they, they get it started. And, and they, in fact, they, they receive a lot of backlash when they're there, just a lot of problems because of their preaching. And at one point, uh, Paul writes to them to let them know that he hasn't forgotten them because he wasn't able to make it to see them. And so... What he did was to, to send some of his partner ministers to go and to see them to make sure they were doing okay. He wants to check on them, right? That's what he was going to do. And so he does that. And, and this is what Paul tells the church in Thessalonica. Here in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16 to 18, he says this. You know the passage. You could probably quote it yourself. He says, Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So, you know, a, a powerful passage, a powerful message, and it still relates to us today. And so while we're in Thanksgiving season, we need to keep this kind of thing in front of our minds. We need to keep it in our hearts because the, the, we can get into times where we think everything is bad, but we realize that some things could be more smelly than others, right? So some things, uh, if you lose them, you may never get them back. And this includes relationships. And so while, while you have them at your hands, don't simply let them slip away. Don't let those things slip away. Don't let those relationships slip away. And that, that, that is for somebody today. And sometimes circumstances can dictate certain pain and limitations in your life. It can just happen. But just because the circumstances may be a little bit problematic, don't let them stop you from being grateful and giving thanks to the Lord for what He has done for you and what you actually have. We have to be grateful to Him and show your gratitude to others in your life, as imperfect as they may be, right? Uh, and uh, don't, don't let others slip away if you can help it. Remember, we all have some imperfections of our own to deal with. Sometimes we just think about the other person's imperfection when in reality we have our own. Uh, and so we have to put our trust in the Lord. Uh, and so, of course, there may be some of those in our lives where we dream that living with an old goat would be better than the smell of the goat, um, than the smell of that goat becomes overpowering. But... You know, we kind of get that kind of attitude at times. We have to be careful. It's only when we realize that the people around us weren't really all that bad. 
Perspective is important. Perspective is extremely important. But sometimes uh, reality kicks in when we spend time together. Some of us are kind of like flint and steel. I don't know if you know much about what happens with flint and steel. If you, if you take a piece of flint and hit it on the steel, sparks fly. And because of that, once sparks fly, without the sparks, there's no fire, right? And without fire, there's no bacon. And without bacon, hey, you know, how are you going to enjoy life? Okay, I digress. Let's move on to what's important here. So let's get back to these verses. Now, Paul tells the church back then and, and also to us today, right? He's speaking to us today there. There are three things which need to be working inside of our lives, even when circumstances may be painful or may, maybe when they seem grim. So we need to, one, rejoice always, then we need to pray continually, and then we need to give thanks. Too often, uh, we focus so much on the difficulty or the problem or the pain that we forget that God is bigger than all this stuff. He is bigger than that, and that's a reminder to us that he is greater than these things that we, we face in our lives, and so we need, to, we need to trust him. We have to learn to become people who rejoice, pray, and give thanks. And I say learn because it is a learned thing. Now, you have those people that they're just upbeat all the time, doesn't matter what the situation is, right? And that's great. Those people can be encouraging. And, but on the other side of that, we have to keep in mind that we have to learn sometimes to be grateful. We have to learn to be thankful. We have to learn and make sure that we get it uh, down into the depths of our soul. And so, you know, as a nation, we, we set this, uh, the day of Thanksgiving aside. We do that. It's been done for many, many years. And uh, it has to do with th giving thanks to God, at least initially, right? I know that our culture has kind of went awry in different ways and for quite some time. And I think it still has everything to do with giving thanks to God. It has everything to do with that. I, I jump away from the political side of that, but, but God, God has blessed us that no matter how much we have, and the reason we, we give God thanks, we, we give him thanks because he has been good, whether we recognize it or not. As far as I'm concerned, we have every reason to give him thanks. And we need each other to uh, make that choice to be thankful. We have to encourage one another to be thankful at times. And now, if you look at the context in which these three verses are in, 16, 17, 18, these guys are short, right? There's just not much to them, uh, and, but uh, there's not much to them in wording, but there's quite a bit in them. And so when you look at the context there, it can really kind of help you understand uh, what's important here. Because if you look at those previous verses, verses 12 to 15... Uh, you'll, you'll see what the Apostle Paul and his team, they're saying to the church at Thessalonica. Let's look at what he says there in verse 15. He says, Now we ask you, brothers and sisters, to acknowledge those who work hard among you, who care for you in the Lord, and who admonish you. Hold, hold them in the highest regard in love because of their work. And then he says, Live in peace with each other, right? Live in peace with each other, and we urge you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle and disruptive. In other words, he's saying to some, you need to get a job. For some, he's saying you need to volunteer. He's saying you need to do something, and, and he says you don't want to be disruptive, and he goes on and encourage the disheartened. Help the weak. 
Be patient with everyone. Make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always strive to do what is good for each other and for everyone else. So we, we see a lot of things here. Really, we kind of see a prescription that the Apostle Paul gives and to these new believers and how to relate to one another. Uh, but if you're, if you're going to really live this way, you need more than just good manners. Right? We've got to have more than just good manners because good manners are, are, are important. They're good. Uh, but we have to have more than that. So in verses 12 to 15, it's almost impossible uh, to live these things out uh, from a per without this personal communion with God, what? without that personal relationship with Him. With, we need to allow Him to work in our lives, and as He transforms and as He changes our lives, as He changes our hearts, it has an effect on how we treat others around us. Uh, it's a big part of our, our relationship with Him. And so this is where the Apostle Paul turns to the believer's inner life, their, the life inside of their heart, the life inside of their mind, and how they think and how they run and all those kind of things. And he, he's focusing on this. And this is the important thing we need to learn here. And so this is where Paul moves into verses 16, 17, and 18. And then he runs into this theme in the New Testament to be joyful and, and always, and this likely goes back to Jesus' teaching even on, in the Sermon on the Mount. But the uniqueness of Christian joy lies in it popping up under the most adverse circumstances. It's interesting when people walk through trying times and they follow Jesus, that joy can pop up out of their life because of what God has done for them, because they sensed His presence, they've seen His grace. And sometimes people like, I wonder, how in the world can you be joyful in this situation? Paul even says this paradox. He says it over in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 10. And I'll, I'll just uh, read just a portion of it, but it's on the screen for you. It says, uh, sorrow, sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. He said, you know, you know, we're sorrowful, yet we're always rejoicing. The, the Thessalonian followers of Jesus had already suffered with joy as Paul himself had as well. They'd both suffered, and yet they had joy as well. Uh, why is it that some people are joyful and thankful, and you can't figure out why? Well, it, it seems to make little sense when you think about it. But this is what I would say. They get the big picture. They get the big picture. Because sometimes what happens is when we, when we live life, we get so focused on little things that we miss out on the big picture. But God speaks into our lives. God has a plan for us. And, and so many times we're acting like we know what's going on, but we miss out on the fact that not only is God in control, but His plan is much bigger and it's more widespread than ours. We tend to be small thinkers. I think a lot of human beings tend to be small thinkers, and it kind of catches us at times, and we need to be able to change our thinking a little bit. I think at times we're, we like look at things from the second story, you know, maybe, maybe 20 feet up. This, I'm going to say our, our ceiling is 20-some feet up. Think about being 20 feet in there and looking down and being able to see everything. That's a pretty good view, right? But then you think about what God sees, and if you put it in perspective, we'll just say he sees from 36,000 feet. 
You know, that's the, the, the height of a plane flying in the air, and he sees much better than that. But, but you can see much a wider span. I remember when we lived out in Southern California, and, and I would do ministry, we'd be flying back and forth. And, and so I would fly out, and, and it seemed like for an hour or more, we would fly over the urban sprawl. You would see all the towns, all the cities, and just constant, and all the lights and all that. So up there, you could really see it, and it put it kind of in perspective on how many people live there. And then when you get on the ground, you just see your neighborhood, right? But from God, he sees the whole deal. He sees further down the road than we, that we are walking on. He sees it. He sees behind us. He sees beside us. He sees in front of us. He sees all the way around us in our lives. And we have to recognize that. And we have to keep that in perspective because God has a plan for us. One time... Uh, the Michigan, Michigan State was playing UCLA in a football game, and the score was tied at 14-14. And there was only seconds left. And back in that day, it was Duffy Daughtery, who was uh, Michigan State's coach. And he sent in the place kicker. Uh, his name was D Dave and Kaiser. And he was supposed to boot in the, the field goal, right, so that they could win the game. And so he does it. He gets up there. He kicks, the, he kicks the ball, and he gets it in through the uprights, and he, and he makes the field goal. And, and so when he's coming off the field, the coach is looking at him and says, hey, what, what's the deal? Why, why didn't you look at the ball after you kicked the ball? He said, well, I was looking at the ref, the one who to see the score, to see if he was going to put his hands up for his score. I was focusing on him. And he said, but why did you do that? He's like, I forgot my contacts, and I couldn't even see the uprights. <laughs> kind of lucky he got it, right? Kind of lucky. And he was watching the ref instead of to see how, and to see how he would signal. And see, I think for us at times, we need to make sure that we're watching the right thing. We need to look to the Lord in our lives. We ha we, maybe we can't see very well, so we need to look to the one who sees and the one that says, that's a score, that's not a score. From a human perspective, this New Testament church had every reason not to be too joyful. They had a lot of persecution from the outside. They were struggling with that there. And then they also had some friction inside too. And it seems like the days that we live in, right? They had, well, why they had these friction inside? Why? Because of, uh, of there was confusion and disagreement on the return of Jesus. And Paul sets them straight in that. And that's where we understand a few more things about the return of Christ. Yet in Christ, they are to be more, uh, more joyful. And I think it is something that we grow in over time that we have to make sure we keep our, our, our hearts and our minds and our eyes focused on the right things so we continue to be joyful and grow in that. Even if you aren't in the sweetest circumstances in life, remember that you know the one who sees the end of the game and he's the one that says if it's a score or not. He's the one. It should take us back a little bit where I mentioned earlier in verses 12 to 15 there that they're almost impossible to live out apart from that personal communion, that personal relationship with God. And so this is where the, Paul, the Apostle Paul 
turns to the inside of a believer's life. And the, the second part of this comes here in verse 17 where Paul writes, pray continually. And for some, you get that. We, we, we get it. You, you know it's normal for you. And good, I'm glad that it's normal for you. And it, and it should be as we learn and grow in our faith. But some say, what, how in the world can I pray continually? I've got a job to do. I, maybe you teach kids or maybe you sack groceries, whatever it is that you do. And you say, I got this job to do. This sounds like an out-of-touch preacher trying to say something good we need to do. But that's not what it is. It's not it at all. And you need to keep in mind that what the apostle is saying here and what he isn't saying too. So we have to understand that the Greek word that is translated continually here uh, does not mean some sort of non-stop praying, you know, like you just uh, that's all you do. Rather, it implies constant reoccurring prayer. It's something that's growing out of the settled attitude of dependence on God, where, we, where we're settled in depending on Him and trusting in Him in our lives. We have to learn to be that in that place. We have to learn to depend on Him, whether the words are spoken or not spoken, whether we're lifting our heart to God while you are occupied with various duties uh, it's a vital thing that's, that that's, we shouldn't worry about. It. But when we pray continually, it can help you to cultivate joy and thankfulness when you're facing life's trials. And some of you have heard, heard me say it before, and I even have an alarm in my, in my phone that it comes out. And at 2.30 in the afternoon, my alarm goes off and reminds me to be grateful. You say, Pastor, you're crazy. You must really need that. Yeah, I need it. <laughs> I'm a human being like you. And so it's just, I'm just telling you, those are the things sometimes we need to do to remind ourselves so that we can follow God's pathway and we stay in connection with Him. See, we learn to depend on God and out of, out of this growing relationship, we take the time to toss up a prayer knowing God has our back right in the middle of when we're sacking groceries or right in the middle when we're, when we're working at the car wash or right in the middle when you get that difficult kid at school you know, that you're dealing with. And, or or maybe, maybe you're just driving down the road. But see, the big part of this reoccurring prayer, it has to be part of this growing out of a settled attitude of dependence. On God. I think a problem that's happened in our world today, and it's happened so well, uh, so, uh, so significantly because of the secular world that we now live in, it's turned so secular, what's happened is it's dependence on self. It's, it's dependence on self and family. Now, family is very important, especially for us as about the body of Christ. Family really is a big deal, and it should be a big deal to us. And, and yet, and sometimes what you have in the secular society, it's interesting. They say there's, it's, they depend on themselves and they depend on their family, right? And so it's those things first. It's family first and then other things. No, no really, in, in, when we're followers of Jesus, it's God first, family second, and the others. Because if we have God first, we know that we'll take care of our family and we'll treat them well. So it's a, it's a different perspective. And so we have to make sure that we focus on the right things and that we have our dependency on God himself. 
And really, that's a, that's a place of secure trust. It's a place where we have learned to depend on God for our every need. And this doesn't always come easy. That's a reality. It isn't always a, a, a cakewalk, but it, but it happens, and we have to trust in Him and look to Him. And usually we learn this in tougher times in life. When we have those tougher seasons in life, we have to learn to trust in Him, and we have to then, uh, then allow Him to continue to work this in our lives as we grow in our faith. You likely need to grow in the settled attitude of dependence on God. If you're a human being and if you're breathing here on this earth, you likely need to grow in that. We all do. There's a great woman back in the 20th century that many of us will remember her name and some don't know her, but uh, Corey Tinboom was a woman who learned to depend on God in a very, very difficult time in her life. She was stuck in a concentration camp with her family in World War II. It was a tremendously difficult time. Her family had done everything they could to hide and protect the Jewish people from the Nazis at that point. But after their care and concern for them, or because of their care and concern for them, it really put them in a precarious situation. And after some time in their uh, rescue efforts, they were also thrown into that Nazi prison camp themselves. But through her faith and her trust, uh, she had to learn uh, to depend on God to get, to get her through. And in her book, The Hiding Place, if you haven't read it, you should read it. Not expensive. It's a classic book. I've got it and I've read it. The Hiding Place, she said these words, and she said many powerful things, but she said conditions are always changing. Therefore, I must not depend on conditions. What matters supremely is my soul and my relationship to God. Those are some key things that we should hold in our lives because conditions will change. We don't always have control of conditions, but they do change and they will change. It's really kind of a promise that's part of life. And so we have to make sure that we trust fully and we depend upon the Lord himself and not on our conditions. And that's a truth we can't forget. Conditions will always change in different ways as well. So, so we must not become dependent on them. And you may start off with a great job, but there's a layoff. And then were, were you depending on that job or were you depending on the Lord to provide for you? Or you may start out with nothing and then you land a job that you have more than you even know what to do with. And then are you depending on your ability to get wealth for yourself or are you depending on Christ? So we have to step back and we have to ask our things, ourselves on these things. So we can go on and on about the fact that conditions change and they will. They will flux. They will always change. I remember a guy out of, our, out of our church in Southern California when we were out there, uh, and uh, I remember uh, he, he told me, he was a contractor, and he said, look, back, this is back before the uh, 2008 uh, crash. He said, he said this, he said, look, every 12 years the market changes. Every 12 years it changes and dives and causes of real problems. And he says, you just have to be ready. And I remember him saying those things, and it wasn't long after that that things just the things fell, the bottom fell out of it. But we have to realize we can't trust on everything around us, but we can trust on our Lord because He is faithful. 
and he will walk with us. It's what Corey Tinboom said. It's more than valid today that what matters supremely is my soul and my relationship to God. Those are keys. Let's look back here in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16 uh, to 18 again. It says, Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So the final part of these uh, three verses for personal development is give thanks in all circumstances. And so no matter what the circumstances are that we face, we can, uh, 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 we can uh, they, they can't really be considered destructive for the follower of Jesus because of God's constant supervision. In other words, God has our back and he will take care of us. Yes, we may walk through some challenging things. That just happens, but we have to know that he helps us because we're reminded of what he says in Romans 8, 28. And I can never quote it. I can never read it too much. But as he says, the Paul says in Romans 8, 28, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. God can turn those things around in our lives that had harm us or damage us or cause challenges, and he can turn that around. We have to recognize that those aggravating circumstances can be a temporary part of a larger plan for our spiritual well-being. God is looking to everything. Remember, he see, we see maybe at the 20-foot level, he sees at the 36,000-foot level. He sees a lot differently, differently than what we see. He sees it all. Yes, we live in a sinful world, though, a broken world, a hurting world. And he loves us and he cares for us and he wants the best for us. And so out of this perspective, we can always recognize a reason to give thanks. In fact, if we don't do it, it's kind of like an element of unbelief in our life. And that's where the Apostle Paul kind of, if you go back into what he says there in Romans chapter 1, it's kind of a stern scripture. In Romans chapter 1 verse 21 he writes this, he says, For although they knew God, they neither glorified Him as God nor gave thanks to Him, but their thinking became futile, and their foolish hearts were darkened. So it's kind of like that unbelief has kind of really messed up their way of thinking. And so you, you want to become a kind of person who recognizes God for who He really is and his capability to work even in the most challenging parts of your life. Take the challenge on and recognize that God has my back. God is here with us and he will walk with us. He doesn't leave us to the side and recognize the big picture a little better. Uh, sometimes we have to stop ourselves, right? In the, as, you're, as you're walking down the road of life, and you start thinking, hey, well, what if this happens? What if that? What, what if that? Oh, what, what, what? You get all wound up, right? And you got to step back and say, God has got this. He, he knows the situation and he can take care of us. If you look back in verse 18 there in, in 1 Thessalonians 5, he says this. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. See, this, this message here, it justifies these, all three of these brief commands there in 16, 17, and 18, where he says rejoicing and praying and giving thanks. All three of these commands don't exhaust God's will. 
but there are vital parts of it. There are important parts of it for us to be able to rejoice and pray and to give him thanks. You and I need these working in our lives. And no better time than a Thanksgiving season to be able to say, you know what, it's time to give thanks. Need to pay attention, right? We need to get our minds focused on the right things that matter. And you must not depend on your own circumstances or conditions because they will change. Now, let me say something here real fast of what I'm not saying. There's a lot in the secular uh, humanistic community in the world that'll say, yeah, you got to keep that perspective. You're right, you got to keep that perspective. It's more than just keeping perspective. Because what we're saying is we are dependent on the Lord himself and that he will take care of us. And then some of the secular people will say, well, yeah, look at how that's happening for you. Yeah, okay. You misunderstand, buddy. You haven't put your faith and trust in Jesus. He walks right with us in our times. And yeah, he does some miracles in our lives at times. And we can trust him and we look to him and we ask him to work in our lives. But we can't just look at it like them and say it's just an only perspective. No, it's trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not unto your own understanding, the scripture says. Acknowledge him in all your ways and he will direct your path. That's the word of God. That's what scripture says. That's just not something I conjured up. and That's just the way it is. Uh, yeah, yeah, you have to depend on our unchanging God who cares and sees the bigger picture for your life. And you may say, well, I don't know if there's a bigger picture in my life. Yes, there is. Don't second guess God and put him down for that. He loves you. You know, there are some things that, uh, there's some things uh, you're watching at such a close proximity that you will never see the truth until you back away and let God help you see the truth. Sometimes we just look so closely. I don't think uh, I can overstate this because sometimes we can look at something with a microscope. And so we see all these, maybe we see the, the amoeba or those little things down there. So we're looking really close, right? And so, but to be able to see reality, we have to step away and look at it from with the naked eye to get a proper perspective. It's just the way it is. And how in the world could you ever enjoy the beauty of a sunset if you tried to look at it through some binoculars? Most of us would think, that's crazy. Why in the world would you look at a sunset with binoculars? And you're probably going to gain something out of it. You're probably going to gain some burned retinas. Because if you're looking at the sun that way, it's probably not the best thing. But what do we do? We, we step back and we see the horizon and we see the natural picture of what God has there. And there's the sun, but it's kind of, go, you know, it's setting and all that. And so we're not glaring into the sun and burning our eyes. You have to step back. You have to drop the binoculars. You have to look at the landscape with the sun barely in the background. It can give you a better perspective can keep, keep and gain the right perspective by looking to the Lord in faith, by trusting him to put everything together. Amen. You've had to trust him to take those things that you see as the devil's work against you and recognize God's ability to turn them around for good in your life. It may take a, a little time or even a small miracle or two, but but don't give up on him doing it because he will. Look, it took 400 years for Israel to be delivered out of Egypt. 
400, what, 430. And so it took 25 years before Abraham had the promised son Isaac. 25 years. And Abraham was already 75 when he got the promise. I guess I'm a youngster compared to him when he got the promise. But I tell you what, he, he still trusted in the Lord. Yeah, he had his times. He messed up. He had some, had some uh, issues and trips along the way. But he trusted in the Lord and God worked in his life. You know, most of us know what it is to be thankful. Most of us know what it is to be thankful, but some of us choose to be thankful. And when you choose to be thankful, when you choose it, it's when you get the big picture. And I think what we need to do is grab a hold of that big picture that God has. Because he sees it. He sees our life. He knows the pain that you may walk through. He knows the joys. And he's there with us through all of it. God is in control. Choose to grow today in your thankfulness. Because it's God's will for you. Keep in mind that true victories, true victories in life are won by Christians who are joyful, prayerful, and thankful. So my question to you, to you today is what are you going to choose? What are you going to choose? Are you going to choose to give thanks? Or are you going to choose just to say, oh God, I don't know how you could leave me in this position. Well, Maybe he is actually positioning you for something. Maybe what the enemy has meant for evil in your life, that somehow he's going to turn it around and use this for the good in your life and in the lives of others. We have to trust him. It's by faith. We walk by faith and not by sight. We walk by trust in what God has done for us, what Jesus did for us. We walk by faith and not by sight. What are you going to choose today? Let me pray for you this morning. I want to challenge you to put your trust in him and give him thanks. Not only today, today's just Sunday. It's one, it's the start. But we've got a whole week ahead of us if the Lord gives us those days. Father, I pray this morning that you'd help each and every one of us here in this place. Father, as we open our hearts up to you, we recognize your grace and your kindness towards us that you've shown towards us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. We, we thank you, Father, for what you've done. And Lord, I pray that you would help each and every one of us in this place to choose to be grateful, to choose to be thankful so that we can give thanks, not just simply because we have to, not because the preacher said we need to. No, but because in our heart of hearts, we know that we have every reason to give you thanks because you've taken care of our lives. Lord, we bless you, and we offer ourselves to you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.